Welcome to the Sound of Movement podcast. This week we're discussing training split specificity for your skills masterclasses to ensure you build a full weekly training split for balanced results. And today we're going deep into the pull-up. We're gonna be talking about how to achieve the perfect pull-up. What's up, everybody? Uh, Before we get started, I want to remind everyone this series is brought to you by our epic 12 days of Christmas sale uh, until the 24th of December. If you're listening to the podcast now or watching the replay or watching in the UMS Movement Mastermind group, you can join our online coaching program, get a 14-day free trial, and every single one of our masterclasses added as a bonus to your program. And if you watch this series carefully, you'll learn how to fit those in to the regular training blocks perfectly. Uh, Now, I wanted to say, if you are not part of our training program and, uh, and you would like to know how to fit a skill into your regular training split, join the Movement Mastermind Facebook group and ask the question live. We will answer it we'll give you a uh, an idea of how we would do it and um i can see we've got clay brenda conway on the live stream if you are joining the live make sure you tune in uh and uh comment where you where you're tuning in from we like to know who we're talking to and who we've got on the live stream as rad said today uh, we're going to be unpacking how to do a perfect how to achieve a perfect pull up and uh you know, the reality is is that th- requiring, doing a new skill, the most obvious uh, intervention is that we do it more regularly. Uh, and that's what we're gonna talk about today. We're gonna talk about how to fit, uh, p- specifically the um, UMS um, chin-up masterclass into your training split, which is going to require you doing chin-ups twice a week as a minimum. Now, the first thing that comes from that is uh, a lot more load on the body, uh, in specific the forearms and elbows, the muscles that are, are really heavily used in your gripping. And uh, this poses a big problem for a lot of people. If you don't have that baseline conditioning, you, uh, you, you will become exposed. And it's a very, very common way people develop golfer's elbow or tennis elbow um, in the forearms. And it's, uh, it's a nightmare. Ten- tendinopathy is a, is a, is a pretty difficult uh, injury to uh, to overcome. It, it takes some time, and um, and yeah, we just want to make sure that you guys are pre um, uh, educated on how to best avoid that. So the first thing we're going to talk about, again, uh, we're going to bang the drum of load management and injury risk with this one. And before I go into the specifics of that, I want to address the elephant in the room around calisthenics and and especially pull-ups, which is going to make the load on your forearms and gripping muscles so much worse. And that is the discussion on body composition. Obviously, in a movement where you are lifting your entire body weight, it is going to be much more difficult if you don't start from a place of an efficient body composition. And body composition efficiency, we're pretty strict on this. Uh, we like to see women uh, below 22, 20 to 22% body fat and men below 12 to 14% body fat. Anything above that you are carrying excessive weight and it's weight, it's unlike muscle mass that is contributing to the force production in your body. It is dead weight. Uh, fat mass is dead weight. It doesn't contribute to the movement whatsoever. It hinders the movement. And you know, you gotta take into consideration if you're at, at about an 11% body fat, you're usually carrying around nine to 10 kilos of fat mass. 
at uh, up to 14% body fat, you're carrying anywhere from 15 and up kilos of fat mass. Uh, um, 11 kilos, really? I remember when I was at about, well, I'm always at about 10%, but I remember on my DEXA scan, I'm pretty sure my fat mass was under 10 kilos. I think it was about eight kilos or seven and a half. Yeah, and you were under 10% body fat. I'm, I'm, ele I'm okay. at, at my best, I'm usually around 11% body fat, and I am always carrying nine and a half kilos of fat mass. Every DEXA scan stays the same. Okay, fair enough. Uh, and that's a that's an that's an average. I know that's a general generalization, but I've looked at a lot of DEXA scans in my days, and yeah, you got to understand that when you're, it's it's impossible not to carry any body fat, and it's unhealthy to do so. But once you go over about ten kilos of body fat, it's excessive weight that you're now carrying, and it's not not contributing to your health whatsoever, and uh, it's hindering your movement. And that's where we, and that's around that twelve percent um, body fat percentage. You know. Yep. So we have to address this. You need to understand, and we've demonstrated this many times with clients who have come in and lost 30 kilos of fat mass. And they can and, do pull-ups. And they can do pull-ups, and then we strap a 30 kilo weight to them, their body, and they can't do one. You know, so you, you, it has to be understood that if you're um, still above those uh, marks of fat mass, I'm not at all saying don't try and do pull-ups. I'm just saying be prepared for the fact that the level of strength you need to develop to be able to pull your body weight when you're carrying excessive fat mass is extreme. You have to be so strong. And therefore, the path to unlocking a perfect pull-up is going to be far longer for you. And the risk of developing tendinopathy in the muscles that are really copping the brunt of that, which is your forearms and elbows, is much higher. So I want to say, and we're going to leave this here, if you are carrying more than 22% body fat for a female and more than 12 to 14% for a male, that needs to be addressed if you want to unlock a perfect pull-up before you start absolutely hammering your body with double day and uh, double two times a week pull-up workouts you know uh, you're going to need to do a bit more cardio and you're going to need to address your diet uh, but that aside we're going to talk about how it, we do it in a functional uh, efficient body composition body okay uh, if you do not fall into that category then connect with us and we will talk to you about ways and strategies of, of, of helping you get there uh, with nutrition intervention and, and, and things like that a little bit of additional um, uh, cardio maybe or uh, exercise specific for that but moving that aside moving along we're now talking to um, uh, talking about a efficient body composition uh, and we're going to just talk about developing the strength um, to do pull-ups, okay? The balance in the shoulders, the flexibility, the mobility, and the strength. All right, cool. We're good with that, everybody? We're good with that, Rad? I'm good with it. We're good with that, Richard? Yeah. Good stuff. Okay. So we've, we've addressed the, um, the, the, the risks of injury with pull-ups, and they're mostly due to gripping. Uh, the gripping muscles are going to get hammered when we start to increase the amount of pull-up training we're doing. But it's a catch-22, right? The only way that you really ever um, get much better at something is to do what we call grease the groove, which is to do it more often, more volume. And as that volume goes up, we expose the body to more load. And as the load goes up, we expose the body to more injury risk, right? So we have to make sure that we're physically <coughs> prepared for doing the pull-up. And we, have, uh, we recommend a good general preparation phase in your training first. We, call it, we have a general prep program called the Foundations Program. And 
you'll notice in our foundations program, there is a lot of gripping and forearm exercises specific to developing load capacity in the forearms and gripping muscles. Doesn't necessarily mean you'll never have problems, uh, but it definitely helps reduce the risk, okay? The next thing we need to talk about is optimal training dosage, frequency, and intensity. And Rad's gonna have a field day talking about um, the need for supercompensation and progressive overload because there's a couple of, I'm gonna call them hidden secrets. They're not really, but they're absolutely critical steps that you need to be doing to make sure that that's all done. The, but in, when we talk about optimal dosage, frequency, and intensity, it is, of course, dependent on the fact that you've done that general preparation phase because if you just start doing pull-ups more than once a week or even even once a week really uh, without preparing your body for it you are exposing yourself to risk um, but once we've gone through that phase uh, when we include the uh, uh, programs like the um, the chin-up masterclass we immediately go to doing two chin-up days and we're going to talk more about that towards the end of the uh, the podcast where they fit in but it's a minimum of two days a week. How many days a week are you doing pull-ups at the moment to perfect your pull-ups? Six. Six days a week. And Rad, when we came on the show, he wanted to lead off with that's the best way to do it. And I suggested not doing that because Rad has an extremely high level of consciousness and awareness around load management. He knows what it feels like to be overloading the, the, the body and he knows when too much is too much and when not enough is not enough. And we cannot assume the same level of competence in load management uh, for everybody. So I sort of said, I don't feel comfortable telling everyone <coughs> to do pull-ups six days a week. Mm -hmm. But if you do have a good understanding of your body, it certainly is a great way to do it because you are certainly greasing the groove at that point. Why don't you share why? Yeah, well, you know, grease the groove is a is an exceptional overload technique to break through strength plateaus. It's been used by gymnastics coaches and um, you know weightlifters and strength coaches for for decades. It's a really really basic uh, technique as well. It's something where you identify a movement that you need work on, and the idea is that you never do grease the groove on more than one movement at a time. Um, because of the load it puts on. And then it, what it also means is that you don't do that movement in your regular workouts either. You only do grease the groove. But the way I'm doing it, it is part of the workout. So there's different ways to go about it. But basically what it means is that you do between six and 10 sets a day of um, sub-maximal uh, effort, no more than about 60% max effort. Um, but that amount of volume, what it does is the, the amount that it adds up over a week and then over a month and then over two months, it is so much more volume than you'd normally get on it. And because it's sub-maximal, it doesn't put the same amount of strain as going to, you know, 80, 90, 95% uh, max effort. Just explain what sub-maximal means for the players at home that don't know. It means that if I could do 10 pull-ups, I couldn't do 11 to save my life, I'm doing sets of six pull-ups. Yeah, that's so what it's, that, it's well that, below that's what your training, failing point. That's what training at 60% maximal effort means. Yeah. So when you look at my workouts, doing them six days a week, uh, my pull-ups that I'm doing, I can I, I tested myself before doing uh, this, and I got 15 pull-ups, um, supinated grip pull-ups, and they would have they would have passed anyone's test. These were not sloppy pull-ups. I did yeah. 15 pull-ups, but my actual workouts that I'm doing, I started doing sets of three pull-ups, doing five sets four days a week, and then three sets two days a week. So I deload two days a week, um, and now I'm up to doing five reps. But these are these are with 
very strict tempo. So I'm doing a one second pause at the top, two second eccentric, and a one second pause at the bottom, and then explosive concentric. So it's well below what my max effort is, but the volume is is just astronomical. So, but th so that's grease the groove, and that is a. I really believe in that method. It's um, it's not just me that believes in it. It's you know you can read about it a lot, but you really it's like Yanni said. You do really need to know what you're doing to make that method work, yeah. and you know. And you and you need to be very sorry to interrupt you, but this is really important and something that Rad is very good at doing in his training from observation is shelving your ego. Yeah. Like you do not train with ego. Yeah. Uh, and I dare say, out of the three of us, Rad, Richard, and myself, I'm the worst at that. My ego um, often leads my training sessions. Richard's uh, probably superior to me at it, but Rad is really good at it. Uh, and it, it uh, and that's why a, a program like Grease the Groove w works so well for him. He can just go, okay, although I feel like I'd like to do this, uh, and the reason why I say my, my, uh, my ego leads me, I use training to, uh, for sanity. Uh, it is something that I use to, um, uh, to vent, to, to make myself feel better. And, and the way I do that is to go out and really g give it a bit of a smashing on, on the gym floor. I can't always do that, but that's how I like to train. You know, mm -hmm. Rad and Richard are a lot more methodical with their training than mm -hmm. I am. So I'm just gonna wrap that up just so that you can understand why we said all of that and how you can use it for yourself. If by the end of this show, if by the end of this episode, if you went, once we've spoken about optimal training dosage frequency and intensity and especially once we've spoken about supercompensation and progressive overload if you understand it and you fully know how to incorporate it and manage load properly then you absolutely can try the grease the groove method for four to six days a week between four and six days a week but if you do not fully grasp understand and already utilize these principles that we're going to talk about then you're not ready for it and and there's a very easy way to find out too if you are in the ums online coaching group ask tag yeah, rad yeah, in a question us, in yeah. the facebook group and ask yeah, him and he'll say, give you some personalized yeah. um uh, that's feedback right. yeah, that's, right. that's what the, that's what that whole what coaching that group, group is, is about yeah so if, if we just quickly so normally to to um, understand load, load management and injury risks when it comes to pull-ups. The way that we deal with it in the UMS and with the pull-up masterclass is basically we give 72 hours rest between training sessions. Yep. So you do not touch that's those same muscle groups for 72 hours well, before you go again. Well, just to be completely mm -hmm. transparent, in the UMS online coaching, the regular program, you're only doing pull-ups every Monday. That's it. You don't do pull-ups again until the following Monday but you do bent over row and horizontal pulling. You might do horizontal um, uh, rows on Thursday. So you are hitting the same muscle groups, but from a different um, uh, method, from a different neural pathway, yep. okay? Yep. But uh, it's still loading the same muscles. But to go and do the exact same movements or a variation of the same vertical pull movement is going to put even more load on certain areas and structures in the body, which is what we do when we introduce the, the masterclass. We then replace the Thursday workout and the Monday workout with the masterclass. So we're now doing pull-ups two days a week, Monday and Thursday, with that 72-hour break. Mm -hmm. Continue. Yep. Let's talk now about uh, the emphasis on supercompensation, which is what that is, 72-hour period and progressive overload. Yep. <coughs> yeah, so 72 hours is the, the most literature we'll talk about that muscles and energy systems need between 48 and 72 hours to recover fully and be able to perform at you know maximal effort again after a workout 
Anything less than that, you're not giving your body enough time to recover. And adaptation, adaptation is what occurs that it, within the, the body to make you stronger, to make you fitter, to make you more flexible. Adaptation occurs during the rest and recovery. So if you don't give yourself enough rest and recovery, uh, you don't achieve adaptation, which means you just hammer yourself and you know you, you increase your risk of injury and you're not actually really seeing the results that you're um, that you're killing your body for. So, so that's why we have a 72-hour window because we're just we're basically just going to the end of that window. You know, the end of that. Now you can do things differently, but you have to train again, like what I'm doing. Uh, sub-maximally, like 60% max effort. And, uh, you know, we've spoken about how that can work and, you know, the, the considerations for that. So so that's how we manage load. Um, now, um, and, and optimal training dosage, we've, we've spoken about that. Um, for, for most people that are learning, that are trying to get their pull-up, um, twice a week is um, uh, is enough. Um, you need to do, do it uh, frequently. So you want to be doing it... Um, so, you, know, you want to be training twice a week, but you want to be doing that consistently, okay? Um, and then as far as intensity goes, the intensity bleeds into the, the supercompensation and the progressive overload um, principles that we're going to talk about now. And, and what's really important to understand is that when you're, when you're training for something that you can't do yet, that you, like doing a pull-up, If I mean, a pull-up is considered a, a, a basic calisthenics movement. It really is. It's, it, I mean, it'd, it'd be the, the, the most entry-level movement into calisthenics. I don't think there's anything else that's easier um, than a pull-up, except maybe a push-up. Um, but... Uh, when you're training for something like that, or if you're training to try and get a body weight squat or a 150% body weight squat or a double body weight deadlift or whatever, you need to go well beyond just turning up to the gym, looking at what the workout of the day is and, and doing it. You have to start tracking your progress. And it, it's, when it comes to the pull-up, there, there's a lot that goes on with tracking. So you're looking at you know, if you look at the pull-up masterclass, we have an accumulation phase and an intensification phase. And in the accumulation phase, it's feet-assisted pull-up. And in the intensification phase, it's eccentric pull-ups. Um, so when you do your feet-assisted pull-ups, you have to be tracking uh, how many reps you're doing and how many sets you're doing and how, how much uh, weight you're taking in your feet. You have to be tracking that. You have to be recording it from week to week. When you do the intensification phase, you have to be tracking your eccentric loading, which means you're tracking how many seconds uh, each eccentric rep is, how many reps you do on each set, and how many sets you do. It's not just turn up to the gym and do whatever you can, because these things have to be manipulated. And the idea is there's always a certain rep range that you're aiming for and a certain amount of weight that you're aiming for. And once you achieve that rep range and that weight or those basically those loading parameters, like what, what is prescribed within the program, once you achieve that with good quality right through the workout, then you have to increase the intensity. So when it comes to doing a pull-up, until you can do full pull-ups where increasing the intensity would be adding weight to it, if you, if you can't do it yet and you're still using eccentrics to be able to get to a pull-up, you have to increase the intensity by adding more um, eccentric loading time. So the amount of time that each contraction goes for as, as you're lowering down under the bar. And, and these things, if you're not tracking these things, you, you're just not going to see improvement. Um, I've seen people, um, you know, bang away at eccentric pull-ups for a year and still not be able to do a pull-up. Yeah. And then I've seen people do it for 
eight to 12 weeks and go from zero pull-ups to four chest-to-bar pull-ups. So what happened differently with those two people? It's the mindset. It's the, it's the way that you approach your training and it's the way that you apply these principles to, to your training to achieve um, the result that you're, that you're looking for. Yeah, we have in the gym, we have what we call the eccentric strength formula. We have one for isometrics. We have one for eccentrics, uh, which is a guide, uh, a rule of thumb that can be used or deployed when doing calisthenics. And it is a uh, essentially a, uh, a blanket program format that you <coughs> use a strategy to, to use these types of contraction methods to um, to break through plateaus or develop strength. And I think I'm pretty sure they're both available for free download. Uh, I don't know where from, but we can figure that out. Yeah, I think they were. <laughs> I've got no idea where we use them anymore. We haven't used them for a while, but they are a part of the UMS online coaching program. Yeah, uh, that's program. right. You and and we them. have them printed in uh, in AO on the wall in the gym, so the guys can use them, and that gives them a guide every time they turn up and grab the bar. They kn- they know what the next sort of step is, but. Our guys in the gym are also really, as part of our culture, as part of the tribe culture, it's, it, we track, you know, and it's going to get easier because we're building an app at the moment, which is going to make it super easy to track your progress with all of your movements. Um, but um, at the moment, everyone just uses a spreadsheet that we've created for them. And it's really, really something that's quite important, especially if you've got such a specific goal of unlocking a movement that's, that's above and beyond your ability right now yeah. you know yeah, what you've got to understand is that to unlock something that you've never been able to do before takes a lot of work but to maintain that thing that you can do is so easy yeah like when we had phil on the show phil even pulled out some hard data based on research and apparently you only need to do one ninth of the work that it took you to achieve a certain result of strength and flexibility to maintain it. So here we are telling you that you need to do twice a week four sets of pull-ups to be able to unlock a pull-up. Guess yeah. how many sets you have to do in a week to maintain the strength you got? One, one set. set. You need to do one set of max effort a week. So this is what you what you got to decide. Like what we try and do on this show, we want to really we want to give re- no BS advice here and like if if going this extra mile for you, uh, sorry, isn't for you with your training, if training for you is just something where you want to just turn up and just just do whatever's put in front of you and not think about it and, and then get on with your day, then that's your prerogative. And, and I, we're not here to tell you that that's wrong because it's not wrong. If that gets you off the couch and it gets you moving, then there is so much good stuff that's going to go on in your body. And if you're somebody that joins the UMS online coaching and you want to get strong and fit and flexible and you just want to do the workouts and not really think about it, you're still going to achieve an infinitely better result than if you didn't do the UMS or if you were doing some other mediocre you know, format of training, for sure. Yeah. But we're talking about unlocking something that you can't do. And for that, you can't just turn up and just yep. go through the motions. You just can't do it. Yep. That you have to go further. You have to understand eccentric loading. You have to fully understand the eccentric um, strength formula, the ultimate eccentric strength formula. It's one page, it takes about three minutes to read, but you're probably gonna need to read it about 30 or 40 times and ask a lot of questions and try it and get it wrong. But, it, but guess what? It might take you a, a few times to read it, it might take you a few questions to ask in the group, but you will eventually understand it. And when you understand it and you apply it to your training, 
that's when you're going to unlock the pull up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And again, to go back to the to the purpose of this show, um, you know, for those of you that are in the UMS online coaching group and that have the Muscle Up Masterclass, if you really want to double down on the mus on the pull up, sorry, not the muscle up, then you swap out your bent arm strength days. It's as simple as that. You just yep. it's a straight swap. Get rid of the bent arm strength that's in the UMS and swap it with the pull-up masterclass on Monday and Thursday, and you do those workouts then. Yep. And post the questions, ask us, say, yeah, hey, right. I'm feeling this, this confuses me. Why is that happening? We'll answer yeah. it. And remember with, with the masterclasses, guys, it is, as it sounds, it is about mastering a movement. It is not just about banging reps at that point. If you just want to bang reps, just do the, you, the usual program. But if you want to start really unlocking or achieving perfect pull-ups, then this is the way to do it. Uh, introduce the pull-up masterclass, swap it out for the two bent arm strength days, and be hyper-vigilant when you're um, performing technique, and post videos for feedback and critique so that we can have a look at it and uh, and make sure that you're on par with the expectations. Mm -hmm. Because the, the, the very nature of introducing that additional pull-up day is going to put a lot more load on your body. And if you're not getting the, the, the finer points of the technique right, like initiating the movement from the scapula, depressing the, and retracting the scapula, getting that synergy in the shoulder, then you're going to really excessively overload your forearms and end up with two very sore elbows. Uh, and it's, um, it's something that can be avoided, uh, but it, it is... Uh, the, 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 the tendinopathy in the forearm is often because you're lacking that, um, that pull, that initiation of movement in the shoulder. So you have to be banging the form really nicely, yep. really nailing the form and technique. Yeah, uh, as, as Clay uh, has said here, my chin up is pretty good, but it needs more work before I progress to a supinated grip. <coughs> uh, look, the, the concept of um, rotating grip is very can important. I, can I just jump in? Clay, I think you mean pronated grip. Yeah, I think I think you mean a pronated grip because if you're saying my chin up is pretty good, and I've seen you, you do do good chin ups. That is a supinated grip that you're doing. Yep. This is think of this: supinated is holding a bowl of soup. Okay, pronated is not holding Palms a bowl down. of soup. Palms down. Yeah. Okay, so I think you're talking about a pronated grip pull up. And there's a couple of things to understand. I think this this is going to be a really quick coaching session here for somebody like Clay who can already do a pull up but wants to get better. What you want to be doing when you can already do a decent pull up is you want to be using uh, pause reps. So you want to be going to the top, pause for a second, two to three second eccentric, pause at the bottom, up, pause for a second. And you want to very, you want to control that strict movement and manipulate how many reps you do, like what we're talking about. Like, so track that you can do four sets of four reps for the time being and really be hungry to get five reps. Yep. and do four sets of five reps and then be hungry for five set, four sets of six reps, whatever it is. And then the other thing is you, when you can already do pull-ups, you don't need to feel like you're not ready for pronated. This is how I got to being able to do decent pronated pull-ups. I would cycle between supinated grip or neutral grip pull-ups and eccentric pronated pull-ups. Yep. So even though I could already do like eight or 10 supinated <clears throat> grip pull-ups, I couldn't do any chest-to-bar pronated. So I did um, chest-to-bar eccentric pronated, yep. even though I could do pull-ups. And that is a great way yep. to level up. So you, you use the... Um, uh, yeah, you just you just cycle. This from, is a from phase to phase. Clay's point where Clay is right now, and we're saying this. Everyone who's listening to this uh, episode on the podcast or in the series that we've created for the online coaching group, uh, we know Clay because he's been in the group for quite a while. So we can talk very specifically about his needs and where he's at. 
this is a great example of where grease the groove would work really yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, if he, if Clay, if you went to doing grease the groove on pronated pull-ups six days a week, where you lift really sub-maximal, so that might mean that you start with toe-assisted, like feet-assisted or eccentric, or uh, just doing a series of pauses on the bar, yep. holding yourself there for a couple of seconds and then lowering yourself down nice and slowly. Yeah. Uh, and you do that every day make sure that it's sub-maximal. <clears throat> That's how I really got a nice yeah. pronated grip yeah. pull-up. I just decided at one point I wanted to do it. That's when I started reading the research uh, from Pavel Tetsuin on Grease the Groove and uh, and I just banged them out. I did yeah. sort of a, a few sets of very sub-maximal every day uh, for about a month and I've got a beautiful pronated grip pull up now. Mm, yeah, that's right. All right, Tim, that's all we've got time for today. Um, tune in tomorrow where we're going to be going deeper on this amazing topic of using our skills masterclasses uh, and building them into your training split for maximum results. Tomorrow we're talking about gymnastics rings Ooh. and how to level up from a p perfect pull up to a muscle up, mm. a strict ring muscle up. Good times. See you tomorrow. See you guys health is about performance not just body image you better be willing to accept what you're going to have to do to get there we'll start focusing on movement goals strength goals flexibility goals when you nail that skill it's there forever the body image goal doesn't get you that it's far. the consistency and frequency that's going to get you there it's not the intensity there's no shortcuts to mastery and movement. Destination doesn't change overnight, but your direction will. It's the gym is not the place to beat up the body that you hate. It's the place to build the body that you love. We are the gym that teaches people how to move instead of just exercise because we believe that health is about performance, not just body image.